So we're in our fifth week here in this series uh, called Created to Dream. And as we think about the last four weeks, uh, as uh, our curriculum that we're using for the small group material sort of drills it down to a simple word, they're all D's, right? The idea of first our dreams and then the decisions we have to make. And, and then what do we do with the delays that show up and keep us from leaning into what we think we need to do or what we want to do. And then finally, it builds on top of that, the idea of difficulties. And I don't know if you've seen it or if you've been able to pull it out, but one of the areas that I want to reinforce with us is this idea of faith and how it's our faith that uh, will guide us in the moments when we're unsure, as we've talked about the last couple of weeks. For this week, uh, I want to just uh, draw on uh, this idea of what do you do when you come up empty? When it just seems like you're doing all these things and and yet it just isn't coming together. And I want to use uh, probably the person, probably that group of people that understands difficulties uh, well. And we find some tie-ins with scripture is fishermen, right? We think about the tales that fishermen tell about what they've caught or what got away. But I also think the moments when we get discouraged, when we think about the difficulties that we all enjoy, and push through. Uh, there's all sorts of things, right? And I think in this season of uh, just feeling fatigued and worn down, and especially after you put your heart into something. And, and so today I hope you'll find some encouragement as we, again, are gonna look at a, a video clip from The Chosen that I think is so playful in how Jesus interacts with the disciples. And I wanna to suggest too, as we think about fishermen stories, that this particular story we're gonna hear from scripture today will outshine any story you've ever heard, I can guarantee. It is the second miracle that Jesus performs, and it's very early on in his ministry. And you know, the one he did prior was when he turned the water into wine. And what we're gonna to do today is look at this story that comes to us out of Luke chapter five. And this is the miracle where he calls four of his disciples, four of the 12, join him in his mission. Now we know who those guys are, right? Peter and Andrew are brothers, and then James and John are brothers, and they're four of the 12. And these four guys had a fishing business in uh, northern Israel, and they, uh, it was around the beautiful lake uh, of Galilee. And so what we find here in this story is that Peter and James and John and Andrew are not yet in uh, Jesus's employ, if you will. They're just businessmen. They're fishermen, and this is how they're making their, their livelihood is by fishing. And when we meet them in this story, they've been out all night. And they are back in, and they have come back in with nets that are empty because uh, they caught nothing. And so it was a bad day for them. And as they come ashore, uh, after having been out for a good 10 hours, they've got nothing to show for their time. And then Jesus comes along. And at that point, Jesus is talking to the crowd, and he asks these guys, hey, can I use one of your boats to talk from? And so when we pick up here in Luke chapter 5, let me begin reading. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, that's Simon Peter, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Okay, so here's the picture, right? Jesus is already drawing lots of people. And people are fascinated by who he is. And he realizes that he's got to continue to engage people. And so he has the opportunity to step out in these boats where it'll amplify his voice. Partly because he's not just talking to tens and dozens, but actually probably literally thousands of people. 
And so he knows that he's going to be performing this miracle, and it's going to be something they're going to understand. And so it's really cool what he does here. And so continuing in verse 4, it says, When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now launch out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now remember, they had been out all night. And how does Simon answer? Well, it says, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. Well, I don't know about you, but man, I can sure identify with Simon in this moment. I mean, there's been lots of things that I think all of us have leaned into trying to be productive with, and yet it hasn't come together, right? You can almost hear the discouragement in Peter's voice. Because I think some of us, we give it our best shot and we still fall short. We, we don't hit the mark at all. Sometimes we work hard and you, you really lean into it and you, there's nothing to show for it. And so they've caught nothing. They've been out all night. And I think, again, there's been times in my life uh, where I've studied for the exam or I've given my best effort and it still doesn't uh, come about in a passing grade, right? It's just the reality of our lives. And when we see this story, uh, this miracle has an opportunity to teach us not just about fishing, but also because I think everyone's looking for something, you know, whether it's an approval or uh, finding someone to love us or to treat us with respect. Uh, and so maybe even the idea of fishing for security. And there's nothing wrong with that. And maybe some of us are looking for uh, significance, that we really want our life to count. And so what this miracle is going to show us is how do we respond when it seems as though we've come up empty? when we've been out doing all the right things and yet we don't see any results from it. And so this is a very powerful story for us. And before we go any farther, let me just use this clip from The Chosen. And so check this out. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. Uh, I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing.
brother and the baptizer. <laughs> you are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. But my faith, I'm sorry. <laughs> Lift up your head, fisherman. <laughs> what do you want from me? Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me. as well. Yes, you, James and John, come, follow me. I'll take the fish into market and settle up Simon's death. I'll get some help to fill both of these boats. Are you sure? Yes, go. What will you tell Ima? <laughs> We've just been called by the man we prayed for our entire lives. And you ask me, what will I say when you miss supper? <laughs> go, now. Wow, that is so amazing, right? To see it played out in front of us. And to know that these four guys, they did exactly what Jesus told them to do. And it wasn't just a miracle for them, it was a miracle for so many others. Partly because what we're gonna find out is what Jesus then uses this miracle to do to leverage growing the kingdom. So continuing as we look at this story, Jesus uses Simon Peter's boat as a platform to preach the good news. And then as we read the scriptures, right, it's the rest of the story. And it says what? After Jesus finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now launch out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Now, you know what? That's a lot of fish. And so what's interesting is it says they signaled to their partners, you know, and that would be James and John, who were over in the other boat. And you see them come running to help them. And then they filled both boats so full uh, with the fish that they began to sink. And I just love how it played out in the video where they have to get off the boat because it's clear there's so much weight there because of all the fish. So that's an incredible fish story, right? And no one's going to be able to top that. Uh, but yet, I want us to see what the point is here today is that they, they caught more in 10 minutes than they had caught in 10 hours. And that's what Rick Warren calls the miracle of acceleration. And I love that kind of concept 
where God speeds up the process. It's no different than the first miracle that Jesus did, turning the water into wine. It's the same thing. And so when we understand the principle of this miracle of acceleration, then what it helps us to see is not to worry about timing and to help us give perspective that we can go a month or two or even a year or two without work. And yet it doesn't really matter to God because he can just in a moment turn the faucet of blessing on as quickly as he turned it off, right? The fact is God can do more in 10 minutes in our life than we can do in 10 years of hard work if we do it the way he asks us to do it. And so that's the point here today. That, in fact, that's what makes the difference. What makes the difference between working all night and coming up empty on your own and having so much blessing in your life that you're sinking from it? I mean, that's what the story tells us, right? There's just too much. There's too much blessing. Can you imagine? There's so much blessing in your life. Materially, you have to spread it around. You have to share it. Otherwise, you're going to sink under the load. That's a cool place to be. So let me ask the question, what makes the difference between emptiness and overflowing? Jesus says in the book of Matthew, according to your faith, it will be done unto you. Well, what did the disciples do? And we're going to look at four things today. They basically took four steps of faith. So the first thing that you need to do and I need to do is what Peter, Andrew, and James, and John did. And that's this, is that I need to give Jesus complete access to my life. Again, Luke chapter 3, verse 5 says, Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Here's where we start. And it's a pretty simple concept, right? We got to get Jesus in the boat. Now, right as we watch this story unfold, we notice that they've worked all night and they've caught nothing in the 10 hours. And now in 10 minutes, they're catching more than they can possibly handle. And so what's different here? It's the same lake. It, it's actually the same boat. And it's the same nets that they've had down many, many times. And it's the same fishermen. It's even the same fishermen together, their partners. And it's the same fish too. But the only thing that's different in this story between nothing and the fullness is that Jesus ends up in the boat. And I'm gonna suggest that that makes the difference, right? Jesus is in the boat, that that's the game changer. Now, in a very real way, God is with them. And again, for these first century men, it is a whole new concept to understand God that, that way, not in the temple, but actually present with them in a human form. That they're not fishing by themselves anymore. They're not in their career, if you will, as businessmen by themselves. So let's think about this for a moment. So let's draw on this analogy here. What's your boat? How do you make a living? Where is it that you get a salary or a paycheck from? And then as you think about that, what does it mean to have Jesus in your boat? To actually give Jesus your boat and to say, Jesus, use my job as your platform to dedicate your career to him. I know some people start out saying, well, God make me a success and then I'll tithe and give that way. But I think when we start from the perspective of, no, I'm all yours and, and take my hands and my talents and my my abilities and use them as you will and whatever my calling is, that that's a beautiful thing. And even as we think here on this Reformation Sunday, the idea of vocation actually comes out of the Reformation. The idea that we are wired and gifted to be people to do work that gives us meaning and purpose. And if we're going to be successful in the most eternal sense of being successful, then we really have to give it over to God and say, how would you use me? So to go to a little meddling here today, have you committed your boat to Jesus? And now I know some of us are working through some craziness and we're trying to change some things. And, 
And the truth is, what do we see here? That they didn't need to change their net. They didn't need to change their boat even. They didn't even need to change their business partners, right? And, or nor did they need to change their business location. They didn't even need to change their marriage or anything else. They just needed to get Jesus in the boat and to give him charge. And so that was what was needed. And that's the first step. And now there's a second step in this process. And that's where we admit that my efforts aren't working. Again, that's a good place to start. Uh, when we admit that our efforts aren't working. Yeah, verses 4 and 5 say, When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out to the deep water, or launch out now, and let down the nets for a catch. Simon Peter answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Well, you know, I'm going to guess it was pretty hard for Peter to say something about this. Because what? Peter's a pro. He's, he's good at what he does. He's a professional fisherman, if you will. And so these guys are not amateurs. They know what they're doing. But this night, they came back skunked, as some would say, with zero in their nets. And so what did they need to do? Well, and this is something that we need to do, too. We get Jesus in our boat, and then we admit that this isn't working, and we call that confession, right? It, it just isn't working. It's like, God, I can't make this work on my own. I really need your presence to make it all happen. And again, we do call that confession of reaching out to God and saying, I can't make this happen. You have to. Now, let me ask you this. Why don't we want to admit that it's not working? Well, it, the truth is we hate to even think about that. And there's three quick reasons I want to suggest of why. First, it's our pride or it may be our stubbornness. And then it's our fear, right? It's our pride because we don't want anybody to think that we can't handle what's in front of us, that we could work all night if we have to and pull it out. And make it happen. Pull an all-nighter. Yeah, it'll all come together. Well, yeah, that didn't happen here. And then there's this simple stubbornness, which is this part of our humanity, right? Stubbornness is when I'm unwilling to change the way I'm doing it. When we have heard that phrase, right? Well, we've always done it this way. And that could be a whole sermon series in, in its own. We think about just where we find ourselves as local churches and trying to understand meeting the needs of those around us. I was talking with one of my fellow pastors uh, this week, and we talked about how uh, he was talking about the formality of church. So somebody actually came to church one Sunday, asked to meet with him, and he's a pretty casual guy, although he does wear a clerical collar on Sunday, and, and that's all he usually wears. It doesn't wear a sport coat, but someone came to him after worship and said, you know, you really need to be more formal. Uh, people need to know that you're the pastor. And, and as we talked even about the idea of wearing robes, I shared with him that I, you know, I spend a lot of time in the prison system, and even this week I had a chance to have a a lunch with uh, one of the judges in our community. And we were just talking about the brokenness that exists, but understanding that the role of judges are important. But yet, uh, when I think about the men that I see on a regular basis, I want to connect them to the faith that will grow them into a, a lifelong relationship with Jesus. That robe can be a barrier. And I don't want that to be me. I want to make sure there's nothing. I'm creating a roadblock to help people connect with the living hope of Jesus. And so it's our pride and our stubbornness. And then it's also, uh, finally, just this idea of fear. It's this fear that I've, I've fished all night and I've caught nothing because I'm afraid that people will think less of me as I come in and realize that my boat is empty. Regardless of the cause, the second step we know is to admit that things are not working. And, and the third point here is for us to simply obey whatever Jesus tells me to do. And basically what I'm saying is to be willing to do whatever he says to do. And we joke uh, sometimes when a question is asked in church on Sunday that the answer is always Jesus. At least that's a safe answer. 
because it is true. And when we think about just how messy life can be and when it doesn't make sense and when it even appears as though we're being foolish and stupid to other people, we want to do what God wants us to do. And so as you think about how in the video Peter looks up to Jesus and you can see in his eyes, he's like, really, Lord, we've been down this road before. We just came in, but okay, I'm going to do it anyway, that I'm going to obey whatever Jesus tells me to do, even when it doesn't make sense. And back here in verse five, it says, Simon says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. I can almost hear the tone in his voice, right? We've come up empty, dude. I mean, really? But he, what does he do? It says, because you say so, I will let down the nets. And if you're using the worship notes here, you ought to underscore those words because you say so, because that's the key to the miracle, because you say so, because Jesus says so. Not because I think it's smart, not because it's popular, not because I can afford it, not because it makes any sense at all, not because everyone else is doing it. I'm going to do this because you say so. So I want you to notice something here. What does Peter not do? What is his reaction? Well, first, he doesn't argue with Jesus, which is kind of like, that's mature, right? He doesn't say, excuse me, Lord, you know, you're a carpenter, I'm a fisherman, and I know how this thing is done. That isn't what he does. And it seems as though he doesn't even hesitate. He doesn't say, well, that's a good idea. Why don't we think about this for a minute? Or let's talk it over. Or let's see, you know, in good church terms, let's uh, form a committee and let's vote on it, right? Oh, that would get us somewhere. He says, basically, why don't we do this? Well, we're all tired. We've been out all night. But yet, it's clear from Scripture, he doesn't delay. He doesn't hesitate. It's an instant action. He doesn't listen to what his feelings are telling him because I'm sure he is dead tired. We all know what it's like to stay up late, right? To work throughout the night. And then you're ready to go to bed and he's dead tired and yet even maybe sensing that he's thinking why do we want to try and so instead what does peter do he does unquestioned obedience because you say so he says now so let me ask you this question a little meddling again here in this uh, series what has god told you to do that you're not doing i mean many of us would love to have really detailed instructions about what's next I have enough of those conversations day in and day out. It's like, I just wish I knew what God would have me do. So it may be that we're not doing steps one and two, and we want to jump ahead to steps three, four, five, and six. And so what are the steps one and two? And that's a question that you need to take to God. Maybe it's a question about giving to the church, and you're not doing it. God says that we're supposed to give the first 10% of our income back to him. Or God says that I want you to forgive that person and let go and stop holding the grudge. And yet, maybe you don't want to. You want to hold on to it. Or how about, I want you to go to that coworker and I want you to tell them about Jesus. Yes, sharing your faith can scare you to death because what people might say is you try to offer hope. But let me tell you, if you're not doing what he's already told you to do, that's where the problem can be. Because here's where it gets pretty simple. First, God never gives you the total vision of where things are going all at once because he wants you to grow your faith. We talked about this last week, yeah, the last two weeks about being persistent and even the idea when it seems like we're waiting on God, that all this is about our faith and understanding, that, you know, do we believe that God is going to show up? Now, it's interesting. We want to look here. There's three things that we see in this verse. So there's three things in this verse I want to point out of the vision that God can give us. When, and then we want to talk about what, and then the where. So the first is to launch out now. Now, that's a risky thing to think about, right? 
And to be truthful, God is always going to force us to take a risk. We've got to make a decision. And why is that? Because there's no faith without risk. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. We know. We've looked at that in Scripture before. And then is it not only launching out, but then it's the what, where he says, I want you to let down your nets. That's what he tells Simon Peter to do. And then he says the where, and he tells them to launch out into deep water, right? And think about that here in the notes, is to actually circle the word or underscore the word launch out into deep water. Well, why does he want him to do that? Well, the truth is that's where the big fish are. They're in the deep water, so you got to get out there to get them. Now, the truth is, when we think about this, is that this is where most of us live our lives, right? In the shallows of life, not risking to step out in faith. We might hurt ourselves or we're, not, we're uncertain of what is beyond uh, the edge there if we step off and we go under the water. As a pastor, I've thought about this a lot. And I guess the question I want to ask is, why do so many people, most of the people in life, live shallow lives? Why do they live in the shallows? Well, it's safer there. There are no big waves uh, by the shoreline. Your boat isn't going to get rocked around. And there's nothing risky to, about living a shallow life. So we live these shallow lives because they're safer. And we live in this nice little comfort zone where we want God to bless our plans, but we're not willing to let him use our business or our calling to proclaim the gospel. Now, as we've said in this third point, obeying Jesus when it doesn't make sense is probably the scariest, riskiest, most dangerous thing to do in life. It's also the most rewarding way to live life too. And it's the way that Jesus does it. You give Jesus complete access to your life and to your job and your calling and your vocation. And in that, you admit your efforts aren't working and you need to depend upon him. And then you obey whatever Jesus tells you and you do that because he says so, right? Finally, we need to end with this. Our fourth point is, I expect Jesus to turn things around. So think about this for a moment. If God tells you to go fishing, and then he comes along with you in the boat, and then he points out where to let down your nets, do you think you're going to come up empty? Nope. It's really, this is where God shows up, and we need to depend upon him. That it's his presence in the boat. It's God's plan in his mind and God's promise in his heart. There's no way he's not going to succeed. There is no way. And if God told him to do it because you say so, he's full of faith. And that's where the Bible offers us so much encouragement in one particular place is in 1 Thessalonians. The one who calls you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. God cannot lie. So think about this. If God could control the forces of nature, wherein all the fish in the Sea of Galilee are going to come over here to this spot right now where those boats are, and all the little fishies swim right over there. And then Jesus says, all right, guys, let down your nets. If God can control nature like that, and we know he can, then he can get you a job, or he can provide for you in ways that you're seeking him. He can get you what you need. He can take care of you. But you've got to do it his way. There is a way to our life that God orders. And he can do it overnight, or he can do it in 10 minutes. And so after all the delays and difficulties and dead ends, we see this, right? In Luke chapter 5, it says, And when they had done so, and what is that? What did they do? What had they done? Well, they obeyed Jesus. They did what he told them to do. And they admitted they were failing at it. And they give Jesus complete control and say, Okay, my job, I don't work for the company. I work for Jesus. 
I'm his missionary. And first and foremost, I'm seeking his kingdom. And you know what? Jesus is in my boat. In fact, what does it say here? It says, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. More blessing than they could possibly handle. That's what it tells us. In fact, they had to share it in order to, for it not to go under. Well, I want us to see that God is looking for people to bless. And it's not like God doesn't want to bless people. God is looking for people who are blessable, that will respond to him. And if you will get blessable, he will bless your socks off, I want to suggest. Or bless your nets full, right? And so in this season where we find ourselves, we need to see that God is looking for people to show his power through. God wants to show the world that he is God. And he wants to do that through you. As Again, as we look back at this story, Peter's reaction, what is it? Well, here in verses 8 and 9, when Simon Peter saw this, that's the miracle of fish, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Remember that Simon's not a disciple yet. He's just a fisherman. He is a business guy, right? And what does he say? He says, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. In other words, you are God and there's no way I deserve to be around you. That's what happens here. It's such a beautiful scene there in the video. And it goes on to say, For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's business partners. So this miracle becomes a turning point in their lives. And I want to suggest it becomes a turning point in our lives too. Because of what happens here. This is the real lesson. And then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. And of course, Simon was afraid because that's what happens when you see God do an amazing thing. It's unbelievable. He was deeply afraid. And yet, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. That's crazy. So let me just stop there for a moment. Think about this. This miracle is not about the money or the fish that they're going to get. It's about the men. It's not about the possessions. It's about God's purpose for their lives and for your life. It's not about keeping a whole bunch of fish. It's about the kingdom of God. He's getting ready to call these guys to follow him 100%. And so he does a miracle in their business. And it's not about how he can make them uh, successful business people, right? About being great fishermen. No, it's about 100% of his life, your life, going for the kingdom of God. He says, I'm going to teach you how to fish for men. That's what Jesus says here. I'm going to teach you how to change the world. I'm going to teach you how to be used by God to change lives in companies and homes and communities. Man, I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. I'm going to use you. I'm going to mobilize you, and you're going to go fish for people. There's a cool concept. And so what is Jesus doing? He's getting ready to grab these four guys and enlist them in the services of the kingdom. And he's saying this, let me show you what I can do if you'll put me first. Let me just show you. I can take care of all your financial needs if you'll put me first. Jesus said, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men you'll fish for men. So I want to remind you this, that when Jesus Christ called his disciples, he called grown men and women, professional people, to leave their jobs and follow him. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid, from now on you'll catch men. So they pulled up their boats on the shore, left everything, and followed Jesus. You see what happens here? They leave all those stinking fish in the boat. They didn't even clean them. They're not even thinking. They've got enough there to keep them going for the next five years. This is an incredible bounty and yet, what do they do? They walk away. They walk away from it all and they start following Jesus. And so all that to say is we think about this series. We think about how we're created a dream. That God is calling each of us. 
He's wanting us to hear his voice, to leave our nets, wherever we may be, and to follow him. That God calls grown men and women to leave their jobs and to go into full-time Christian ministry. Now, it may be that you don't have to change what you're doing. It's just a matter of focusing on the why of what you're doing and to think about giving God all that you're about. So think about that. And I hope this story encourages you about the beauty of how four fishermen being faithful and trusting Jesus in the process and that, that we are blessed today because they left their abundance behind, the blessing God had given them, and have now blessed us by taking the gospel to the whole world. So let's pray. God, we are grateful in so many different ways. And as we've looked at this story to know that when things aren't working, that when we've leaned into something and we're just exhausted, that we just need to trust you, that our pride and our stubbornness keeps us disconnected from you, but you want us just to simply obey you. And so we ask your presence now in these things as we celebrate the life that Jesus gives us. We pray through his strong name now. Amen.